Uh, If you would, please turn with me in the Scriptures to the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. John chapter 11. I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit, but you will be able to to catch up with me. John 11, starting with verse 1. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. This was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters, they sent word to Jesus, Listen, Master, the one who you love very much is sick. Now, when Jesus got the message, he said this, the, sick, the sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory, to glorify God's Son. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved the family. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. They said, listen, Rabbi, you can't do that. Like, don't you love it when people try to tell Jesus what to do? Jesus, you can't do that. The Jews, they're out to kill you. And you're going to go back there? You're going to go back there, Jesus? Um, The conversation continues. Jesus tells them, listen, guys, I'm Jesus. This is what we're going to do. And uh, let's skip down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple miles away. So just only a few miles away. It took him four days to get there. Or or Lazarus is four days in, in the grave. And many uh, of the Jews were visiting Mary and Martha. They were sympathizing with them over their brother. Now, Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, listen, Master, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God, he will give to you. Jesus said, listen, your brother, he will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he'll be raised up, up in the resurrection at the end of time. See, you don't have to wait for the end, Jesus says. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yes, Master, all along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who comes into the world. And to which she kind of dodges the question. That's not really the question. I know that you believe in me, but do you believe in this? That there's resurrection right now, that even though that he or she may die, that you can live. Now, skip with me over to verse 37. Jesus is with them. It gets to this point where Jesus weeps. And as Jesus is weeping, the Jews say this, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, uh, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of the blind man. And then Jesus, the anger again welled up within him, arrived at the tomb. Uh, it was this simple cave in the hillside of the slab of a stone, with a slab of stone against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Now, the sister of the dead man, Martha, said, listen, master, by this time, there's a stench because he's been dead for four days. 
Jesus looked her in the eyes and he said this, listen, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then to the others, he said, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and he prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know that you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here right now, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out. He's wrapped head to toe. He's looking like a mummy at this point. Jesus said, unwrap him. Let him loose. Now, one more scripture I want to read. If we get back up to John chapter 10, this is actually not going to be on the screen, but just to kind of set the scene of what happens here before. In John 10, uh, verse 32, uh, right before all this happens, says, uh, again, the Jews picked up rocks. I love this word, like, again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Like, this is kind of a common occurrence. They're constantly trying to kill Jesus. They picked up these rocks again to stone him. Jesus said, listen, I've made a present to you from the Father of great many good actions. For which of these actions do you stone me? And the Jews said this, we're not stoning you for any good that you did, but for what you said, the blasphemy of calling yourself God. Now, Jesus goes on to, like, to rebuke them, and, and even to the point where he says, listen, like, if you do not do the things that my Father does well, th- that's good, but, and don't believe in me. But if I am doing them, these good things, put aside for a moment what you hear, uh, hear me say about myself, and just take for yourself the evidence of the actions that are right before your eyes. In other words, if you can't get past the hearing, like, at least look and see everything that I'm doing. But they were out to kill him. So there's a certain premise that I'm going to lay out this morning about this sermon. I've, I, we've, we've spoken from John 11 uh, a number of times here. And it's one of those portions of Scripture that no, how, no matter how many times I read it, there's always something just new and amazing. It's like, man, I'd never seen it like that before. But the premise of this sermon is going gonna, is gonna to kind of lay a groundwork for the rest of it, and that's this, that there's something inside of each one of us, uh, either right now or at some point, that in your heart you would say, listen, God, I know that we were meant to live for something more. That, God, there's more to this life to experience. There's more of you, God, to experience than what I'm presently experiencing right now. And so, like, is there anybody in here that just, just, Jesus, I sure do want to know you more. I want to experience not just life, but life more abundant. I want to experience the life that you talk about. I want to experience the life that when I open the scriptures and I begin to read the words and, and, and I, I hear the stories and, and I've listened to, like there's something about this life that right now I'm not grabbing a hold of and I know it's out there and I want it. I, I, I want it. And, but here's the thing. In our society, in our culture, when it comes to this idea of finding true life, the, the kind of natural tendency to us uh, in, in our thinking is that to find this life, what we have to do is we have to uh, uh, either mitigate or diminish all of our suffering. So, so in other words, uh, if something is painful, if something hurts, if something uh, 
is a trial uh, that, that comes into our life, we do everything we can to avoid these situations. Uh, because, you know, obviously it's, well, there's hurt there, and there's, there's pain, or there's suffering, or, 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 or whatever it is. And so we try to decrease the struggle. And, and we base our life and our, our world of thinking that life will be more abundant when the struggle gets easier. Like, is anybody with me? Like, if, okay, I'm the only one that, like, wants to avoid the struggle. Like, you wake up in the morning, and you're like, yes, struggle. We get to, oh, I'm looking forward to that. And it's true, like, right? But think about it. 99% of our inventions of the things that we create as humanity is built around the idea of relieving struggle or to provide comfort for us in some way or the other, you know? Refrigerator, cars, all of this stuff, you know, does this job of, like, making things easier, making things more comfortable. And and the fact is we live at a point in society now that, man, it has never been easier in all of humanity. Like, right now, you go to Walmart and buy some food and eat it. There was no Walmart. Like, if you didn't find it, you didn't eat it. You got hungry. So, like, you learned how to hunt. You learned how to fish. Like, we would all starve right now. Like, it's just the truth. And and so, like, we try to do everything we can to alleviate the struggle only to find that we find ourselves in certain places in life where the struggle has become easy and for the most part life is pretty good and yet we're more depressed than ever. And yet the struggle remains. It's just in a different form. And, And the life that we're seeking after, it's just not there. It's like, man, God, all of these things have lined up and everything on the outside looks good, but... This isn't the life that you talk about. This isn't the life that the scriptures talk about. So, like, the truth of it is that there's a life that Jesus talks about that we fully awaken to him that it doesn't alleviate the pain. It doesn't alleviate the suffering. But what it does is it changes the whole game. It changes to where when you're going through pain, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through the struggle, you could have a peace that passes all understanding. And so instead of like alleviating it all, the gospel says, listen, through it all, like I will be right there by your side. I, I, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. No matter what you're going through, I will be right there with you. And you could have a peace. You could have a joy. You could have, in the midst of all of the heartache and all of the pain, there could be, well, resurrection in you. There could be life in you. And, and so now the question, so that's kind of the premise that I'm laying out for this sermon. Now how do we get there? How do we get to that point of, like, living the resurrection? And, and here is this wonderful story because this is kind of the story before the story. This is the precursor to what Jesus is getting ready to do. See, Lazarus is about to experience some resurrection, but in just a little while, Jesus is going to experience the resurrection. And, and so, like, this is kind of, like, last night was the big fight, you know, Mayweather and, uh, what's his name? McGregor. I wasn't, oh, Mc, the guy's name was, okay, see, I wasn't, I didn't watch it. But apparently, there was fights before the fight, and none of y'all know who that fight was, Right? So, like, this is kind of the thing before the thing. This is Lazarus coming up, and Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to show y'all something in this that I'm going to do even something even greater 
in just a little while. And, and, and so Jesus kind of gives us a groundwork of showing of what living the rev- resurrection looks like. And it starts off with he, he getting this message that one of his boys is sick. And, and then it says this, all right, we're going back there. We're going back to Judea. He is going back to the place where they've tried to kill him before. Like if you look through the scriptures, uh, in John chapter 7, they tried to stone him. Uh, John, uh, I believe it's 8, 9, like pretty much three or four times before this incident happens, uh, the leaders, the Pharisees, other people, they've tried to stone Jesus, tried to kill him numerous times. And and he's saying, like, this is where we're going back to. We're going back to that place to, well, there's people that hate me. There's people that want to kill me, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? Because here is the holiest man who's ever walked the planet. Like, there's nothing but good in him. He's done nothing but good for all of humanity. He, he, he's, he's healed blind eyes and sick people. And he, like, he, he's done everything. He's, he's lived this perfect, amazing life. And yet the outcome of perfection is you have a bunch of people that want to kill him. And so, like, the same is true today. And, like, what makes us think that when we go out to, like, have you ever heard that old saying, like, no good deed goes unpunished? Like, Jesus understands. (laughs) He did all of this, and yet there's this reaction that us as humans, like, I don't get that. I don't understand that. So what do we do with the things we don't understand? Well, let's kill it. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm going back to that place. And to the disciples, listen, you've escaped death a few times. Do you really want to go back there again? This is a place they don't understand you. Uh, You've just even pointed out they can't can't hear you. They can't see you, all those things. And Jesus says, yeah, that's where I'm going. And here's, here's kind of a thing that we have to understand. If you can't get past what you hear, you're never really going to truly be able to see. See, because these people, they, they're wanting to stone Jesus for no other fact. That Listen, it's not all the good that you've done, but it's because of you've said this. You've said these things. And, and, and now, because you've said this and we disagree, see, their deafness made them blind. And because they couldn't hear Jesus, they couldn't see him either. They couldn't see all of the good works that he was doing. And Jesus even brings it up. Listen, guys, if it wasn't for these words, can you at least, like, look, what is it? And so, like, no, all they wanted was blood. And until we learn to listen, we'll never truly see. See, we live in this world where we think, like, everybody, like, oh, my opinion matters so much, and something's happening, and I'll get on Facebook, and I'll just write all this, right? And, like, the fact is we've never spent some time just listening in fact, is you'll never really see until you've learned to listen. Um, it, it, I don't want to say this. Um, oh, okay, let's do a little experiment. So I'm going to say something, and, and you don't have to answer out loud. Just answer to yourself. But whenever I say these phrase or two, I want you to think about the first reaction that comes to your mind. You will get exactly what you deserve. You will get exactly what you deserve. Now, for some people in this room, you're like, no, no. And then other people are like, yeah, that's a good thought. 
What about this? Is this, if it was, half empty or half full? If you were looking at this, is it half empty or half full? Or, or what about this moment when you're at work and you hear over the intercom, uh, could you please come to the office? What goes through your mind? I'm about to get fired. Or, it's about time they've seen my good work. I'm getting a raise up in here. Y'all hear that? They called me to the office. Yeah, I'm going in. They finally recognize all of this work that I've been doing. And see, like, two very different reactions. There was this moment. Um, a few years ago, I was in Korea. And me and my wife were taking this flight to Indonesia. And it had been a long day. We had gone from, it was like to Atlanta, to L.A., L.A., to Korea. And we ended up with this really long layover in Korea. I think it was 15 hours or something that we were supposed to be in the Korean airport. And we've, we've gotten off the, the plane, we've departed, and we're, we're going through the airport. And there is a kiosk station, and there's a few ladies there to help us. And this one lady kind of approaches us off of the kiosk station, and I speak zero Korean. And this lady had no English at all, and she's trying to explain something to us, and me and Devin are just not getting it. We're just kind of, uh, we've kind of accustomed to traveled so much, at least back, I traveled a lot uh, uh, in previous years, and I kind of got accustomed, like, oh no, I'm going to get scammed here. They're like, going to try and sell me something, or like, you know, you don't let people carry your bags. Like, all of the rules are going through your head. And so, like, this lady's talking to us, and we're just like, yeah, 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 that's, that's great. And, like, totally just kind of blow her off and go throughout the airport. And so we're walking around the airport. You know, you do the, you do the lap in 30 minutes, and you're like, okay, 14 and a half hours to go. What do we do now? And so Devin actually kind of finds this corner in the airport and is just asleep on the floor and, and in chairs and stuff. And so... She's asleep, so I'm like, well, she'll be all right. I'll just, I'll leave her right here. She's good. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll be good. She'll take care of herself. So she's like asleep in the corner. I'm walking the airport. And then there's the food stand places. And I love it. I'm just in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm ordering everything on the menu. I can't, I don't know what, you know, I, the caricatures. I'm like just pointing to like pictures. I want that one, you know. And, and I'm doing everything I can. And, and I don't know what it is. You know, finally, I go back, I, I get Devin. She's like, you left me in the corner. I'm like, but you're good. And so let's go eat. And so we go, and, we, you know, we just spent, like, all this time eating at the airport. And I don't know what it is when I get in, like, restaurant situations that aren't, um, like, it's not American. It's some, whether it's Mexican food or Chinese food. I, 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 like, I think that I have to respond with words that aren't English. So it doesn't matter where we're at. So if we go to the Chinese restaurant, I'm like, gracias. I'm like, like and Devin's all like, you know they don't speak Spanish. I'm like, but it just feels right. It just feels like gracias. I don't know. So like in Korea airport, I'm like saying just stuff like, oh, you know, gracias. Ah, konnichiwa. I'm like, no, that's Japanese. Like, oh, you know, like. Like, any word that comes to my head, and like, the people are just looking at me like, this guy, this, I'm like, I don't know why, it just, I can't stop it. It's, it's like, it's almost like it's built in me that I have to, you know, 
you just watch. All of y'all will do it now. Y'all will go to the Chinese restaurant and say gracias. And, like, they'll know. They'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, American. We got you. Um, and so, like, we've had these moments, and we've walked around the airport. And finally, we get to this kind of one section of the airport, and it looks like there's this kind of secluded little two doors. I'm like, oh, it's like that the, the spa area that first class people get to go. Like, I wonder if we could sneak in, you know, if we could get in there. And so, like, some people come walking out. I'm like, oh, man, maybe they have, the, like, their name badge or something that we could swipe. And, uh, hey, listen, you know. Um, but we ended up just talking to some people. I can't remember how it went down, but we ended up talking. And the, this, this other European couple come out, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is actually a kind of a complimentary um, lounge for people that have long layovers. And Devin's just, like, looking at me like, I just slept on the floor all of this time. And, like, it's ringing bells. And, like, the lady at the kiosk was trying to tell us, if you come this way, you get this complimentary room. And I'm just, gracias. <laughs> and, uh, but it just, like, goes to show you, like, we have these preconceived ideas. We have these notions that, like, like, this is what's going to happen. This lady's going to rip us off, and she's going to take our luggage. And she was just trying to help us. But because I couldn't listen, I could never truly see. And, and we live in this society where, I mean, like, if you were to turn on the TV right now, you would think every person in America is a racist. Like, every white people hate black people. Every black person hates white people. Like, you turn on the radio, and, and this is all we're bombarded with. And that's just not the truth. And, and until we get to the point where, like, listen, there's all kinds of sides to this thing. And until we can, like, learn to truly listen to people, we're never going to truly see. And we're going to end up like these people that are like, listen, Jesus, it doesn't matter what good you're doing, all this. You've said something that we don't agree with, and we are just going to try to kill you. And this is the place that Jesus says, this is the place you have to return to. This is the place I'm bringing you back to, the place of misunderstanding, the place of deaf ears, the place of blinded eyes, the place where they try to stone you. And through it all, Jesus never stopped loving. Through it all, through, through all of the misunderstanding, through all of the, the hate and anger, through all of these people trying to, to kill Jesus and stone him time and time again, he never stopped loving them. See, I don't know about you, but like when somebody tries to hurt me, when there's like this Especially if you were to try to stone me, I'm not going to go, like, knock on your door and, like, hey, good to see you again. Like, oh, yeah, the whole stoning thing, water under the bridge. Like, Jesus is like that. Like, it's just amazing. See, whenever we get hurt, there's, we, we want to retreat. We want to throw in the towel. Because after all, like, we were trying to do something good for you, and this is what, it, it came back with me, and, and it's rejected. And, and God, you, you could understand, because look, there is this hurt, and God, you want me to go back there? That's the very place you want us to go back to? In the book of Job, there's this amazing moment uh, throughout the whole book, but in, in the beginning chapter, in, in verse 1, you know, Job's gone through all of this just intense, incredible pain and suffering and loss. But there's this one portion of the scripture where it says, and he's getting this report about what's happened to his family. And it says, there was a whirlwind that came and it's killed your son and your daughters. And, and you know, the, the, the rest of the book is this, this kind of conversation that takes between Job and, and, and his buddies. But here's where it gets interesting. 
At the end of the book, in Job chapter 38, when the Lord responds to Job, you know what it says? It says, and the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Now, if, if, I, if, I was, if I was God, the last thing I would do is talk to Job from the whirlwind. Because the last time the whirlwind was there, the whirlwind is what took his family. The whirlwind is what took his kids. And so now to show up, and just imagine what Job is feeling. It's the very thing that's caused his pain and his suffering, and God shows up in the whirlwind. The very place where all of this pain and all of this hurt is rooted in. And here we have this thing where all of this, and and God shows up. What is your whirlwind? Is there something in your life that, man, it's caused great pain, and it's caused great hurt, and the last place you expect to find God is there. And yet, the groundwork for resurrection starts when Jesus says, let's go back there. Let's go back to that place. Returning to that place. And, 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 but maybe there's some of you in here that you've done that. You've taken those steps to, to, to journey towards God. You've, you've embraced that, okay, God, all of this has happened. I forgive, I've released, and I've started to walk in this direction. Only for this to happen, things have gone terribly, terribly wrong. And you've thought to yourself, wait a minute, God. Like, I'm doing the thing that you told me to do. I, 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 I'm open to you, God. And, and what's happening? And nothing seems to be working out. God, I, I, I'm, I'm getting my life right. I, I'm trying to, to walk in the gifts and the callings. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm trying to, uh, to find you, Jesus. And nothing is going right. Do you not understand? And, and, and this is what happens. Like, Jesus has gotten word that, that your boy, he's sick. And he just waited two more days. And it's not till four days later that he's there. He's only two miles away. Like, God, I've been praying, and I've been praying, and, and I've been stepping out in faith, but you're not showing up, God. Where are you? Where are you in all of this? And, and here's a hard lesson to learn. The difference between what is urgent and what is God Because the things that I think are urgent, God doesn't. And can I be really honest with you? This is super annoying. (laughs) Because God, right here, right now, God, I need you to show up. Where are you? You're you're, you're right over there. I've seen it. After all, like these guys, you've healed the blind, man. You've done all of these things for your other people. Other people, like, what about the one who the Bible, it says that you love me, and yet you're not here for me. Where are you? Like, this is urgent. It doesn't get any more urgent than this. This is to the point of death, right? Like, this is urgent. And God's like, all right, we're going to hang out here for a couple days. There's There's this moment in the book of Mark where uh, it says that Jesus' disciples, they're on the ship. There's this great storm that's going on. And, and, and it says and that Jesus was asleep on a cushion in the, in, in, underneath the boat. 
The, the bow of the boat? Is it the bow? I forget what the word used there. But I, I read that this week, and I thought, man, they're using this word cushion. I'm like, is that really in the, the Greek? And so looked it up, did all the Greek, and this is the only time this word is used in the Scripture, this cushion. And so like, what, what the disciples are saying to Jesus, like, you're like in this cushion. You're like sleeping it up. And do you not even care that we might even die they wake Jesus up and like, we're on the brink of death, and you're on this cushion. And like, they don't get it. Like, hold on. Like, like we don't get it. God, come on. It's time to move. It's time for you to do some stuff. It's, it's time for you to move. We are going to die. I mean, they are freaking out. If you've ever been in a crisis situation, there's kind of like one rule that they always tell you. Like, this is the most important thing. If, if there's a crisis, you don't freak out. You stay calm. What's the very first thing we do when there's a crisis situation? We freak out. Oh, come on. This has got to happen. This has got to happen. Like just the other day, I'm laying on the couch. I'm on this cushion. And I'm good. I'm like, I'm on my phone. I'm just like chilling. I'm, you know, the world is, it's, it's deaf to me. And apparently my kids are acting crazy. Like I, I've gotten to the point where I can't even hear it anymore. I'm like, I'm just scrolling like, what? They did what on Facebook? And, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, or Devin, I'm not sure which one, <laughs> said, Lucas, what are you doing? Do you not hear your kids? I'm like, no, honestly, I don't. Like, I'm just chilling. And, like, Devin's freaking out. Like, you've got to do something with these kids. I mean, she's, like, slamming stuff. And I'm like, and so, like, it, it, honestly, there's this moment where I think, okay, this is what Jesus would do. So I stand up, like Jesus calmed the storm. He was just like, storm, stop. So like, I got up off the couch. All right, kids, stop. It didn't work at all. <laughs> like, man, tried. Tried, Jesus. Like, this kid's that got even more crazy. Like, all right, well, let's, let's go outside before your mama kills us. And, uh, but like, there's this moment, and like, everything's freaking out. And like, but Jesus is saying, like, it, it's all good. And we've got to understand, like, that his timing isn't our timing. And, and, and there's, these, there's a certain cycle that happens when, when, when crisis hits or something uh, a devastating happens. It goes from the stage of, like, there's hope and Jesus can do something. And to this point where all hope is gone. And, and, you know, like, Lazarus is dead now, God. There was this hope that you could come through in this situation. You could come through for the foreclosure. You could come through before the divorce. You could come through before uh, uh, the job, before I give All of these things, and, and then it doesn't work out, and Jesus stayed where he was for two more days, and you didn't hear from him, and then everything falls apart, and then your hope is just like, well, that was good. And, and then you move to, to mourning of, like, well, man, I, I really wish it would have worked out better. And now here's where it gets interesting, because if we're not careful, then that mourning can turn into bitterness. Didn't you, didn't you say you loved me, Jesus? Where were you? And one came out to meet him, and the other, well, I'm just going to stay here. I don't, I don't want to see you right yet, Jesus. So often, this can be the case, but, but here's what's happening. What Mary doesn't realize, what Martha doesn't realize, and what we too can easily forget is that the thing that needs resurrection is not just Lazarus, but it's our faith. See, there's some resurrection that's getting ready to take place. 
But Jesus is trying to teach a lesson to to Mary and to Martha and to everyone watching. This is going to be an occasion in which God is going to show forth his glory. And so there's some resurrection that's getting ready to take place, but it's not only in Lazarus. It's going to get ready to take place in you. Because right now, your faith says that, you know what, resurrection can happen, but resurrection's a thing of the future. Resurrection's one day, God. Yeah, we know that resurrection will happen when you come back and everything's summation. One day, God, everything will get better. One day, my marriage will get better. One day, my finances will get better. One day, all of this will be okay. One day, there'll be peace in my heart. One day, this will happen, but just not today. And to which Jesus says, listen, there is resurrection hope right now. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And to which we need to pause and seriously think about that question, do we? Because is resurrection a thing for you that's always in the future? That always one day life will get better. And if I could just get all of the pain and the suffering to kind of uh, uh, deplete, then I'll find happiness and then I'll find joy. Only, for, only to, to get into those places. And, and I've talked to people time and time again that said, listen, I just tried to get to this place in my career. I tried to get to this place in my life. I tried to get to this place in my education. And I got there and I arrived. And it's not what I thought. It's not the life that the scriptures are teaching. I want it right now, and Jesus is saying, you can have it right now. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you could walk out of these doors today and your life could be changed forever? Do you believe that whatever problem you're facing, that God can take care of it? I mean, really, come on now. This isn't just like the sermon make you feel good. This is a real, like, Jesus, do I really put my faith in you? Do I really put the hope of my marriage in you and my kids in your hands? See, tomorrow I'm going to drop my daughter off at school for the first time. And I am scared. <laughs> like they, 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 they told me, you know, you're going you're to drive up. She's going to get out the door and like leave you. I'm like, no, no, shouldn't I park and like walk her in? And like, and the teacher's like, don't be that parent. You're going to cause a backup, and you're going to, and I'm like, okay, okay. And so, like, for the last few weeks, we've been working together. All right, Kobe, this is how you open the door, and you can buckle your seatbelt by yourself, and you're a big girl. But there's this moment, I know it's going to happen, that even though it's this small thing, that it's kind of this moment of, God, I'm placing my child in your hands. She's yours. And I think we all have got to come to that point with whatever it is in our lives. That God, ultimately, you asked me, do I believe in you? I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to, it's all yours. I'm not going to try and prop this thing up anymore, and I'm not going to try to make it work, and I'm not going to try to, God, at the end of the day, it's yours. Resurrection belongs to you. Life belongs to you. And so that we go through this, and, and, and there, there's these moments of, like, returning to this place, understanding of God's timing. And, and then there's this beautiful thing here uh, right before Lazarus says, Jesus goes to the stone, and he shouts out, move the stone. And I love the fact that the Bible says, like, he shouted it. Move the stone. And, like, so there's, there's no, nobody misunderstood him. Like, wait, hold on, did he say, like, I'm going home? 
No, he said, move the stone. What, he can't find his phone? Like, no, move the stone. Throw me a bone? No, no, no. Jesus was very clear. Move that stone in which they tried to stop him. Hold on. Like, he's already been in there four days. You move this stone, it's going to be stinking up in here. See, you've got to have some faith that when you step out and you make it very clear to people, listen, we're going to move this stone. And you know what? You've got to run the risk of stinking up the place. You've got to run the risk of falling flat on your face. And Jesus, if it doesn't happen, well, it's just going to stink up in here. Because you've got to do something. Move the stone. What's the stone in your life? And Jesus said, let's speak to it. Move to the fact where even after he says it, and then he said to the others, all right, y'all, Jill, move the stone. See, because some people just won't understand. Move the stone. See, like, we want to be a people of extraordinary faith. It means doing extraordinary things. It's like we read the scriptures and we read about Paul and, and we read about Daniel and the lions and we read about all of these guys. We, like, these guys were taking steps of faith. Like, the story of Daniel was, oh, like, but do you realize he actually had to get in that lion's den? Like, that's, like, but God, if I could get all of the benefits, see, we want everything they had, but we don't want to pay the price that they paid. Like, I don't want to be in that pit with those lions. Like, we want resurrection, but there's a death first. Come, come to me. Like, you want to experience the fullness of life, that means, well, some things in your life need to die first. And it's a hard pill to swallow. Like, it's just... It's this moment. I'm going to ask Alan uh, to come up. All of this has happened. There's this road to resurrection. There's this cycle that takes place. And Alan, if you could kind of stand right here and face this way, please. Uh, and I'm going to need uh, Jonathan to come help me for a minute, buddy. We're going to we're going to take right, take this one right here. So Lazarus. It's been dead, right? And let's just, let's just wrap this bad boy up. Like, hold on, I can't even. All right, maybe we just want to, we could do the, do the twirl thing. There we go. There we go. He's, we're going to get it. Oh, man, this is, my TPing days have, like, diminished. Not that I did that as a teenager. Oh, this will, this will work here. There you go. Yeah, do that one. Who's breaking stuff? Why y'all gonna be breaking stuff? Here we we get the idea here. It's just, it did say he had something over his face. So like right there. Like, that's it right there. Yeah, and duct tape. Duct tape next? Who's got it? It's like this is it. Alright, that's good. Thank you, Jonathan. It's like there's this moment where Jesus has like said Roll back the stone. And, and the Bible tells us when, when Lazarus came out, that he's, he, he's wrapped up. He's wrapped up. He's covered head to toe. And, and here's the thing. When resurrection takes place, sometimes there's the remnant of the past. There's the things that say, you know what? You're, you're, you're still so full of pride. You know, you're still, you're, you're, you're just, you're never going to amount to anything. Uh, all those dreams and all those, it's, it's all just dead to you. You're, you're a loser. 
There's all of these things that the world tries to tell us. You know, the children of Israel, they spent, they spent hundreds of years, generations and generations in slavery, and you're going to be nothing more than just a slave. All of this has happened, and, and, and there's resurrection, and we've come to know Christ, but we're still carrying around the bandages of the past. We're still carrying around all this stuff, and the Bible says we've got to be renewed of the mind. You've you got to get to the part where you actually believe the things that God says about you. And, and you're more than what the world tells you. But, but here's the catch. Remember the children of Israel? They've come out. They're experiencing freedom for the first time, generations. And when God says, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to take this land, you know what they said? Let me pray about it. They said, we're just like grasshoppers. They're giants in this land. We, we can't do nothing. And a generation died in the wilderness. And they died. Yeah, there was life. There was freedom. They, they were no longer getting beat by the Egyptians. But they carried Egypt with them. They carried Egypt with them every day. And come on, Christians, how many times is this is us? We've come into the, the knowledge of a life-changing God... And yet sometimes we still want to hold on the baggage. It says, you won't amount to nothing. Everyone knows your past. They know what you've been through. All that hurt and all that pain, it's never going to go anywhere. Life's just going to keep on keeping on. You've messed up so much. God can't forgive you. You can't experience life. This is all it's ever going to be. It's never going to get any better than this. And we walk around and Jesus says this, take it off of them. Take it off of them. You don't have to live like that anymore. There's some resurrection that's getting ready to take place. There is resurrection hope right now in this moment. I am the resurrection and the life. You don't have to live like this anymore. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak, all who are weary, come to the to the fountain All who will sail On rivers of heartache Come to the sea Come on